Everybody, I am Sean Graham, Scott alongside, as always, hello Scott. Sean, nice to be back with you in the saddle here. I uh, had a good time off, but uh, appreciate the work that you did on the on the pod while I was gone. Um, my Taylor Swift shirt is freshly re-glittered. <laughs> and, That's good. Uh, but I gotta, I gotta say... Uh, Maybe a little Taylor Swift did uh, Carly Rae Jepsen a little dirty by uh, Mm. dropping an album the same day. I think, you know, maybe she could have waited a little bit. Uh, But if you go check out that CRJ album, uh, it's hot fire as always. She is great. Wow. That's a high praise, Scott. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it's not up to the level of emotion, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, She set the bar so high for herself already. Well, uh, I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying uh, the new music that's been coming out. Uh, Good to have you back on the show. Of course, uh, while you were gone, plenty happened uh, in Mm -hmm. uh, the world of curling, particularly as it relates to the United States. Uh, Past two episodes, we have devoted to the situation in the U.S., of course, first talking with Courtney Shaw and Monica Walker about the Yates report. Uh, and uh, it was pointed out by Ryan on Twitter that the fact that it took me 15 minutes to go through uh, to introduce that uh, just shows how kind of messed up the whole situation is uh, or was, I guess still is. Uh, and then, of course, last week with Jeff Plush resigning, GNCC being expelled. Uh, some new stuff has happened this week. A couple of board members have resigned from USA Curling. There is going to be, as we record this, I believe tonight is uh, some sort of an open house type thing, open forum for member clubs and member players to uh, discuss things with USA Curling. So it seems like they are starting to try to maybe attempt to proceed with the, some sort of reconciliation with members, uh, with Dean Gemmel at the head, at least on an interim basis. But overall, Scott, what has your impression been of the situation with USA Curling? Well, I, I will admit that my perception is somewhat tainted or, or slanted by what I witness on social media and all of our great, uh, great fans and the curling uh, Twitterverse that it seemed to me like it was just an inevitability, right? Like it was not if, but when, Mm -hmm. and the fact that it took so long was frustrating for a lot of, a lot of people and a lot of members seeing that there's board members now that have resigned as well. It seems to me like uh, they sort of see the writing on the wall that uh, they, we need like a a big fresh start and hopefully that's what they're going to be able to do for 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 Jeff Plush himself, it's it's like kind of too bad that he he won't be able to you know learn from what happened at NWSL and you know implement it in into another organization, but probably forfeited that chance given uh, his lack of action at his previous post. You always think that people can rehabilitate, you know, and and. Uh, learn from their past mistakes 
but uh, it, it was clear that it's going to have to happen at a, a different place, uh, a less high profile place than USA curling. Well, I, I think for you to learn from your mistakes, you have to acknowledge a mistake. Right. And, and that's something that Jeff Plesh was unwilling to do. It, it was the lack of accountability uh, that uh, I think really stood out, that, that he did not yeah. talk to Sally Yates, that he, from, from at least from what we got from him, which was very limited, think, seems to think he did everything right. Uh, so that that is kind of a problem uh, when you think about any potential safe sport complaints yeah. coming to his office uh, at USA Curling. So, yeah, I, I think it was a case where he did have to go, and we'll see how this new – stage of usa curling goes so well sean just before we we get off it i'm glad that the the members voices in the end were heard yeah. right uh, there's nothing more frustrating than yelling in, a, in an abyss uh and not having your points heard and and being seen you know like that's really really important and uh usa curling it seems to me for a long time has been uh, on the side of the peak uh, high performance program is number one and the grassroots isn't that important. And hopefully this is a, a start of a change in the direction where both are equally important. I, I don't want to see the high performance program get less important, right? You want to see everything sort of raised up to the same level. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's uh, I think that's fair, and hopefully uh, that is the case. Uh, but as far as the higher performance program does go, there is some good news for USA Curling. As we talk, the two teams at the Pan Continental Curling Championship are a combined nine and one, five and zero oh on the men's side, four and one on the women's side. Both well on their way to qualifying for the World Championship. Scott, let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, we're recording this Thursday afternoon. What do you think of this format? Uh, what, do, what do you think of this new event? How's it hitting at your house? Well, I just turned it on today. The The U.S. and Canada are playing. I, I got uh, a, a Twitter alert that Brad Gushu had lost, and I went, oh, no. But it was to the U.S., and right. uh, by all accounts, his team played great, and then Corey Dropkin just pulled things out at the last minute, which is sort of what great skips do, but uh, it's going to happen sometimes. For sure. As far as having it in the calendar, I do like it. I like that we're getting some time with the the old Pacific Asia teams to, to come together for this championship. Perhaps in future years, it will be based in uh, Japan or or Korea or something. Not having China at these events does seem to make the field a little more wide open, given the world championship births at stake. So uh, it's been intriguing. I've been following it, but I'm not, you know, overwhelmed by it. I'm also sick, so that, you know, I've been sick <laughs> a lot. So. Right. Yeah. I, the, well, it's interesting to think, too, of location. So so many of the teams who are representing the various countries are expats of those countries who live in North America. Yeah. So you you kind of wonder what happens when this isn't uh, in North America once uh, event, it has to go to uh, an Asian country yeah. uh, at some point. Does that impact at all the participation of some of those teams that, that, that do have expats here? Brazil, for instance, right? Those guys, right. Uh, most of them live, uh, or at least the skip lives in Sherbrooke. Uh, I, I believe one of them, uh, at least in the past, has been uh, based in Brazil. 
but does that affect because they're not getting money from a Brazilian Olympic Committee or anything? So right. d- does that affect that? You know, the teams that did have expats or do have expats who would play in the packs, you presume they would continue to play there, like uh, the Hong Kong teams, right? Jason and Ling, right? They, they live in Canada uh, representing Hong Kong. So they would continue to go. They've done that in the past, uh, presumably. Mm-hmm. But you do kind of wonder about, about that angle of it. So we'll see what happens with it. I also want to know, uh, did the World Curling Federation try to sell tickets for this? Uh, does anyone in Calgary know that this is going on? Like, yeah. what is happening? That That is a good curling market. Or are they, it's the same building where they had the bubble. Are they just trying to recreate the bubble? Why is nobody, why is nobody there? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, uh, I think James is there. I think Twine Time yeah, is in the I've building. Seen some stuff but, from him, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, uh, not nothing. It's pretty insane. Like, I I was watching, I turned it on, and I thought, oh, is this a, like, replay of the morning? <laughs> right. Where, where? Yeah. I mean, I guess people go to work. It's Thursday afternoon. Like, it's not. Yeah. I, and, I, yes, you don't expect probably Briar Scotty's World Championship no. crowds for something like this. But I would expect an evening draw, Wednesday evening, Calgary. Team Canada's playing. Yeah. Somebody, somebody to be there. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll see what the weekend brings, right? Like, yeah. uh, I, I, I mean, both Canadian teams are going to be in the playoffs. Uh, yes. Strong favorites to make the finals, I'm sure. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like maybe maybe people show up for that. But I, I like going when yeah. there's more than one game, right? It's uh, yeah, you get to see some teams you've never seen play before. Yeah. yeah. For sure. You do note, though, that the Stampeders do play on Sunday. They play on the road, mind you, but playoff game for the Stampeders. So does that affect attendance? I, I, I don't know. If the, I, I don't know if there's any overlap uh, in terms of the times, but uh, come on, Stampeders, big deal. That's a big deal. If this was in Regina and the Riders were playing, nobody would be there. Bigger, bigger deal. I think Regina, <laughs> Riders, Saskatchewan, Rough Riders, bigger deal than right. Dan Peters of Calgary. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, everyone from Calgary, uh, that's uh, at Scott Likes TV. Just go at him right there. Uh, that he thinks the writers are bigger and better than the Stan Peters. So uh, direct your commentary to him. Uh, Scott, you mentioned too, the fact that China is not there does open up the field a little bit. Uh, with the women, you have five spots available in the World Championship Four on the men's side with Canada already being in. I think it opens it up a little more on the women's side where China has been a more consistent competitive threat uh, at the packs at world championship than on the men's side where they've struggled a little bit. Uh, But really when you look at these fields, uh, definitely on the women's side, you have the top four that going into the week, I think everyone kind of figured, okay, here are the top four of Canada, the U S Japan, Korea, and then everyone else competing for that fifth spot. That is how it's yeah. broken down so far. And then on the men's side, with Japan coming out, starting 0-4, uh, they won today to get to 1-4. and 4, But that fifth spot, or the fourth spot uh, for the World Championship, fifth spot in the standings, kind of open. Japan's not out of it by any means. But if you're looking, Korea looks like they could probably punch their ticket. The U.S. is going to be in. And then New Zealand has looked strong. And then really you got Australia, Chinese Taipei, Japan. Uh, it, but yeah, without 
China there, it presents these opportunities for New Zealand on both the men's and the women's side. Australia's in the mix there. Hong Kong on the women's side. Like it, it, it changes the dynamic of of who will get those final spots for the world. Yeah, definitely, definitely. They, uh, do we know exactly why, Sean? I, I heard you mention that they were maybe they were just throwing away this year, but uh, yeah, it really, really opens things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be fresh blood, you know, at a, one of these world championships. I mean, it would be, we've seen Australia at the men's worlds before, not in a long time, but uh, yeah. it's happened. Uh, at, at the women's, we haven't really seen uh, New Zealand and Australia for, for a long, long time, if at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty pretty interesting to see how this could break down. Uh, yeah. It, just like having opportunities for teams, right? It, it just the opportunities there, and somebody's going to be able to to take it and and run with it. Yeah, I mean, if it ended right now, which of course it doesn't, but if it ended right now, New Zealand would be in in both the men's and the women's. Uh, into yeah. the world championship, which is kind of crazy uh, to think about. And then you just wonder what the ramifications are that in terms of getting funding, uh, generating interest in those countries. Uh, does it start to snowball a little bit uh, that these countries can be more consistently competitive at the international level? And I think that's what this event might allow for in a way that the PACs didn't uh, or that the America's Challenge didn't, uh, that you have the B side of it the teams can kind of build up over time there get into the a become competitive in the a and having that defined path towards world championship which you had in the in the pack but you didn't have in the americas maybe it just helps overall so i'm optimistic i kind of like it brad gushu made a comment about hey maybe we could host one of these things in a warm place as opposed to calgary where it's snowing uh, already uh and vic did uh, make a comment that he's going to stay around until they have a world championship in Brazil. <laughs> so, Perfect. Yeah. Uh, the, when the world championship is in Rio, that's uh, Vic's last year. Um, so yeah, I, I like it overall. I, I, again, I think having no China there has opened up the field. I think it was, it was Frank from, from the hack tweeted something last night after the Canada game ended early that he never thought he'd be sitting around, uh, nor did I watching Chinese Taipei play New Zealand on national television in Canada. But here's where we are and uh, we'll take it because that was a pretty interesting game. So I I like it. I think for the first run, it's been successful with the exception of nobody being in the building. But as you say, we'll have to see what happens on the weekend uh, if the crowds start to turn out for the playoff rounds. Similarly, Sean, we were going to talk about TSN's coverage. And, you know, it seems... It seems like it's been a bit light. What do you think? Well, yeah, I was stunned that they weren't showing all the Canada games. That was yeah. really surprising to me. Like, I, you know, I thought it'd be just like a world championship. Now, they have selected the games that they feel are going to be more competitive. So the two American games were on the Japanese games, the Korean games, right? the games that going into the week, you expect them to be competitive. I can understand why TSN wouldn't want to devote the airtime to, say, Brad Gushu playing against Brazil. Like, I, I, can, right. I can understand uh, why that decision was made. I don't necessarily like it, 
but I, I can understand it. I was really disappointed for Ling uh, when she played <laughs> Carrie Anderson. That game wasn't yeah. on TV. Uh, so that, I was I was disappointed for them that they didn't get a, a national TV game. But I, I, obviously it comes down to the cost of it and uh, sort of that that has to be it. But uh, I, I don't know. It, and, and, and they're not showing the bronze medal game unless Canada's in it. Um, like there's just, I don't know. I, I, I would have preferred a little more wall to wall coverage, but again, I can understand why not. I mean, the, the people are all there, right? Like the, it's the local production people are producing it for NHK or. Yeah. It's the WCF uh, feed. Yeah. They're not producing it themselves. This is not like in a world championship in Canada where they produce it. They are picking up the world feed and just having Russ, Kathy and Vic do the call. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I guess you want to give Vic some rest, but uh, I don't know. It seems it seems achievable. And yeah. what's the other programming that TSN is getting more eyeballs for in the morning and afternoon slots? Yeah, I don't know. Motoring 2000? I mean, Motoring 2000 is cheaper. I, to, I, to I do. suppose. Yeah, yeah. to show so yeah it, it is a little disappointing and uh but again first time for this I, they're probably seeing what the numbers are and uh we'll, we'll see next year if they change it at all or if they decide to go the same way and say all right here what the competitive games or here's what we think the competitive games will be because even the competitive games haven't really been that competitive uh, other than the yeah. game against the united states Corey dropkin brad gushu been kind of blowouts so we'll have to see yeah yeah we'll have to see so that's the state of the pan continental championship. But so far, so good. I think it's, it's I, I'm, I'm enjoyed it for the most part. Again, would have liked to see more coverage, more people and uh, recast uh, is being rediscussed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's still bad, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you can, you can likes get it. You can get the games for free, but like you have to watch a bunch of ads to accumulate money to get it for free. Like, just yeah. give me ads, right? Sure. And like, just give me ads in between the ends and that'll pay for yeah. it, right? Like, yeah. Anyway. Well, that's what they've gone with and that's what we have to deal with. So recast it is, at least for however long they decide to go with it. So uh, that's what's going on in Calgary. Uh, elsewhere, Scott didn't mention this in our rundown, but Nicholas Adine had knee surgery. Uh, recently yeah. after his injury at the most recent grand slam he as far as i saw did not give any sort of a timeline but it is uh, extremely unlikely i would think that he will participate in the european championship coming up at the end of the month uh, we'll see <laughs> it was great too for as much as everyone uh, gets on tsn about not talking with the slams in their article that they posted on their website, now to be fair, it was a CP article, but still it was on the TSN website, mentioned that the team, Nicodine, is scheduled to be in the Grand Slam at the start of December. Didn't mention the Euros. And TSN oh. shows some of the Euros, doesn't show the Grand Slam. So that one obviously slipped through the cracks of the TSN Grand Slam censor. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so we'll see what happens. Unlike, I would say... Certainly not by the end of the year, based on like a knee surgery. You think at least six to eight weeks. Uh, it sounded like a relatively minor surgery, and as we all know, minor surgery is something that happens to somebody else. Oh, um, yes, <laughs> when it happens to you, it's major. Uh, but we'll see what he's uh, if he's going to be there for the slam in January. 
uh, and whether or not he can uh, participate in the world championship. It's got uh, obviously some unfortunate news for Nicodine and really all fans who are looking forward to that Euro showdown with Bruce Mount. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, their, their fifth is Magnuson, Daniel, Daniel Magnuson, who I guess will, uh, will come in. You mentioned Sean, that Christopher Sundgren held the broom at the grand slam for the final, which they ended up winning without uh, Nicodine. Uh, Rasmus Rana, it was the, the broom for them. So we'll see what their lineup shakes out. Like, you know, we know Oscar Erskine's going to skip, but we don't know what the rest of the lineup will look like. I, I still think they're going to be one of the favorites, uh, at, at the euros. Uh, it'll be a little more difficult for them this time because, you know, without your leader and uh, final shot maker, it's, it's going to be an adjustment, but you know, we saw them win without him and, uh, the rest of the guys are extremely, extremely talented curlers. So I'm not too worried about it, but you're right. The, the Adin versus Mowat game that we were all anticipating for the final, it's going to be uh, not quite as thrilling as yeah. it would be otherwise. So uh, obviously we send our best wishes to Nick Adin and uh, all the guys and see what they uh, come up with for the, Euros, I wonder, like the the Swedish team that represented the country at the last juniors was pretty good. They bring mm-hmm. in one of the junior guys to fill in that uh, spot. Probably, obviously, probably not to skip. That probably goes to Oscar, uh, but to, to fill in elsewhere, that would be interesting as we potentially start to see down the line of what Swedish men's curling will look like. Yeah, and and I'm just reading an article here that Maria Pritz says that he might even be out for the world championships, which would be okay. uh, a pretty huge blow. But, you know, if you're going to miss any year, the first year of a quad is not uh, not too bad. Yeah, no uh, Olympic qualifying points uh, this year. So not yeah. uh, not that big of a deal to miss it, although they are on a run, right? They've won what, three or four in a row, whatever it is. So, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, that is a tough way to break that streak. Uh, if that is, in fact, the case. And Scott, uh, well, let's move on and talk about uh, some of the new team dynamics. Uh, the girls talked about this on their show. Uh, the the new team, some of the dynamics we're seeing, there's been a lot of discussion through the early part of the season, how teams are getting along. And I thought it'd be interesting to make this conversation or broaden the conversation to include the recreational level because you and I, are playing on new teams. I'm playing on both my nights have a, have had a lineup change. Uh, the night that uh, we play together lineup change. So at the recreational level, cause it's one thing to see on TV, how they interact and, and discuss things, but at the recreational level, cause I think a lot of players every year you, you have lineup changes, people particularly coming out of the pandemic, uh, people who have stopped playing and whatever. So there, there has been, a lot of lineup changes at the rec level. So now we don't have to comment directly on our new teammates, but what sort of things do you think work well at the rec level uh, when you are going through a lineup change and starting to play with new people? Well, communication is the most important thing, right? When it, when it comes to curling in general, but uh, especially on a new team, you're going to have to be able to communicate to your teammates how you want to receive feedback yeah, uh, and be able to give feedback in the way that your teammate 
wants, which is not an easy thing to know just from saying, Hey, do you want to curl, uh, this, this year? And I think with our new team, it's been really good. I, I solicit a lot of feedback, uh, which wasn't always well received, uh, on our previous team when I would say, Hey, what did I do wrong there? Can you tell me? So I, I like the, the feedback that I'm getting now. It's, it's quite good. I think having some continuity, like you and I both being on the, on the team still is good, but uh, that's, that's the most important thing in, in my mind is the, the, how you wish to receive feedback and how you receive communication. What's uh, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. The communication is, is key. And for me though, it's expectations that you want to uh, at least know what everybody's expectation is and whether that's you're there to have a good time. Uh, you want to try to win. You want to play a certain style. Uh, ensuring that the expectations uh, are the same, I, I think that helps, and that does speak to communication. Uh, but you want to have right. those discussions relatively early uh, in the season with the new team, just to make sure that you don't get to January, February, and there's somebody or people who are really frustrated with what's going on because they're either unhappy with what position they're playing, how they're playing. Uh, the the vibe of the team, whatever it is, like just making sure that going in, everyone has those expectations uh, that are on the same page. I think that's really important to have a good continuity uh, to the team. And, you know, obviously you want to try to play with good people too. People who yeah. you, you enjoy and you can chat with and, and those sorts of things that uh, off the ice really can help the on the ice experience. Uh, even if not the performance, the experience is really what matters. Of course. Yeah. And and that's a great point, Sean, about making sure that everybody's clear with the expectations. You, you don't have to, you don't have to be like super aligned with, with what you want to get out of it versus what somebody else does. As long as you understand yeah. each other, right. Then you can adapt. So yeah. I think you're right that, uh, for us, uh, the expectation of like, we want to go out and play fast, have fun, uh, you know, if we win, we win. If we don't, there's the beers still taste the same at the end of the day. Yep. But uh, yeah, like I think I think everybody's bought into that, and I need to get better at being a little bit faster uh, in my calls as Skip. I'm I'm still getting <laughs> back into the skipping yeah. strategy. I notice you are very good at sliding out exactly when my broom hits the ice. Yeah. That's right. Uh, the, mm -hmm. You know, the odds of me hitting the broom are uh, so like, <laughs> who cares where it is? I'm in Close the rough. Enough. I'm in the rough area. I like, you know, I'm either sliding to the right side of the sheet or the left side of the sheet. You know, <laughs> I have six feet of margin either way. I'll be fine. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I do try to, to play fast. I did have an experience I spared last week uh, with a guy at the, oh, the Ottawa yeah. Curling Club, John. This was amazing he was really fast too and, and he, he commented that i was playing quickly but he did something <laughs> i was the only sweeper we we're playing with three he comes down and he's in the hack and he's like all right so uh there's a, all right we want to come to that one in the back 12 if we're a little light and we're on the t line that's okay and then he's done cleaning the rock and he starts to kick out and as he's sliding with the rock in his hand, he's like, but if we're a little light, let's try to curl it so that we can go. <laughs> he's explaining to me what he wants to do with the shot as he's sliding out. Uh, it was really an amazing experience. And uh, we played eight ends in uh, two hours and two minutes. It was great. Very nice. Does, does he wear, like put his baseball cap on backwards to throw? No, different guy. 
different guy. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. He's he's okay in, in speed too. But yeah, John uh, was great to play with. Yeah. And and you know, but it was interesting too that I'd never played with John. Uh, I was sparing on that team. And mm-hmm. one of the things that came up a couple of times in the game was you would call control normal. And then we'd be like, oh, is that what you throw for that? Because that's not, in terms of expectation communication, because that's going to be a little different for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and I know, noticed while you were gone, the person who came in to spare, I played with Jesse a lot and she was using for control or, or normally she would give a time of like the, the hog to hog. Right. Right. Because that's how what they do on the team that they play with in the cash league. So just, you know, that verbiage can matter sometimes, too, uh, and how people communicate. So it's 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 an interesting dynamic and interesting things to think about that. I know a lot of people at this time of the year are working through themselves. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's uh, it's fun to, you know, get a, a new team, new perspective. It's sort of makes going to the club like a little bit different. Oh, it's a little, little, little nice, like yeah. nice to have a bit of a change. Yeah. So hopefully your team changes are going well, or if you're playing with the same folks that you've always played with, hopefully you're having a good time out there. So one final thing before we go, I have a pet peeve that uh, Ooh, yes. I wanted to mention that I would like to see changed. And it, it's in reference to something that happens throughout sports. Uh, but uh, I noticed it at the end of the last Grand Slam that a couple of people did this. So Rachel Holman wins, and then they tweet, breaking, Rachel Holman wins. And no, it's not breaking. The story is broken. Like, it's it's broke. That's it. Nothing else is going to change. It's not like there's an evolving situation. It's not breaking news. The news, like, it's done. Like, I, I find it infuriating whenever a sports result is presented as breaking news. Like breaking news in sports would be like a transaction. Like Woj is reporting that mm-hmm. this person is being traded, but you don't know who they're being traded for yet. Okay, that's breaking yeah, exactly. because more information is going to come. When the game is over and a team has won, it's no longer breaking. It has broke. It's it. It's over. That That's the news. Yeah. I find could, it really frustrating. Say- I would like it to be banished. Uh, and if Elon Musk... <laughs> this should be the first thing he does with Twitter <laughs> is get rid of sports people saying breaking news for a sports result. Could you say, Sean, breaking news like Canada scores five in the seventh end and they take the lead? Is that breaking news or has that already happened? So, no, if you said breaking news, Canada on its way to or Canada in control or something. Okay. Right? Because then it's still evolving. Something that has happened and there's no more information to come is not breaking news. Right, right. Yeah, that that's, makes sense. That, that's all I'm saying. So if we could stop that, that would be swell. <laughs> Otherwise, everything is going to be breaking on the Game of Stones Twitter account, uh, and we will go down to zero followers very fast. Uh, but I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> that was a little pet peeve of mine that uh, maybe we could address. I don't know. Maybe we could address, yeah. yeah. Before we go, Sean, I, sure. I would like to address... I wonder, does is are you mom's favorite child? She she made <laughs> picks uh, yeah. picks for me, and it didn't seem to be uh, with a ton of research done there. They're not panning out particularly well for you to this point. No, no. But I, I will wasn't... I will point out though, Scott, that this does affect me because they are part of our bad beer bed with Brian and Jonathan at Rocks Across the Pond. So it does affect me too. It, oh, it helps the, me. 
it helps me in our one-on-one competition but uh there is a negative impact for me as well oh, i didn't realize that the pccc's were yeah gonna be part of that so good boy good boy. yeah i'm gonna have to do some uh studying for the euros yes you will because we're okay. gonna be behind <laughs> yeah i think so <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I prefaced that by saying that we would find out. Maybe we did find out. <laughs> Maybe we did. Listen, I, uh, yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't go home as often as you, Sean. It's, <laughs> I get it. Uh, I'm really sorry, but, uh, they always come and stay at my house. So they do. Uh, yeah. Anyway. That's true. So you get more time when they're in town then yeah i'll I'll have to i'll have to give uh give him a call tonight see uh yeah how things are how things are shaping up (laughs) you're gonna have to show her what it's like make bad (laughs) picks you know well uh there you have it uh that's what's going on in the world of curling for us this week uh so that'll do it uh we'll be back with you again next week with the new episode so Please do subscribe if you have not yet, wherever you get your podcasts, your likes, ratings, comments, all that good stuff. Uh, show's been doing uh, well this fall. I've, I've had a lot of fun with the episodes that we've done. So do follow along and then join us for the rest of this curling season and beyond. Uh, you can always head on over to GameStonesPond.com. All the episodes are there, plus link to the merch. We got the hoodies and the two t-shirts, all that stuff. Proceeds to Food Banks Canada and the Sandra Schmuller Foundation. It was the end of the month. So yesterday I put in the donation for uh, October. So uh, starting the new cycle there. So if you want any stuff, uh, you can head on over, click on the merch tab. Of course, if you want to follow along with everything we got going on, at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter and Instagram, Game of Stones Podcast on Facebook, and you can always reach out, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. So Scott? What is the best Carly Rae Jepsen and what is the best Taylor Swift song? And between the two of them in a cage match, who wins? Who? Um, I really like Maroon. Antihero, this is Taylor Swift. Antihero is the, the like single. But uh, to be honest, I, I ordered the uh, 3 a.m. edition, which has bonus tracks. Ooh, okay. Uh, Dear Reader is great high infidelity yeah uh the great war the great war is probably my favorite one okay and on uh, carly ray jepson's i've only listened to it a couple times but surrender my heart is the the number one track and she always comes out with bangers right away uh in a cage match give me give me crj she's uh she can she can put one together better than anyone else now i'm sure there's other uh, great songs. Those are just off the top of my head. Well, there you have it. Uh, so if you're a, a Swifty, you can get after Scott uh, for that too. And if you're a Calgary Swifty, Scott, uh, whew, you're going to really hear it this week. I'm in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so again, thanks so much for listening to everybody. We'll be back with you again next week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...